Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. So excited to be with my good friend, Johnny. We are longtime friends. He's got a great church. And we're talking about how do you re-energize a church that feels stuck. And it doesn't matter if stuck is 50 or 500. How do you re-energize a church that feels stuck? It is an incredible coaching conversation. Let's dive into it now. How's everything going in your world? <laughs> oh, it's going good. We've been busy good. with holidays, but, yeah, but you know, good. trying to come off it, trying to get get back on track here, you know. Like cool. I said said before, you know, I think coming out of the holidays, sometimes people are slow to get back on 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 the train. Yeah. And, We've had some some personally as a church. We've had, I think, a, a little bit of a challenging season just motivationally. You know, I think that as a smaller church and as a bivocational pastor, I think sometimes you have, you know, your, your challenge is always leaders and and resources. You know, yep. And so I'm always always looking to to build that and and trying to build good programs through it, making sure that our systems are all working. Um, but but our church has kind of gone through. Um, a little bit of a disappointing time, you know. We've mm. we had a, um, you know, we're a mobile church, and you know, since we started, we've been mobile, so it's been about eight years now. And um, and during that time, everybody's focus is getting in a new facility, getting in a building, and you know, we've been in schools and government facilities. But I think that that you know, we we went through the COVID season, and and it was a rough one because as a smaller church, you you, know, you try to come out of it. A lot of the a lot of the people kind of fall off, you know, a lot of the fringe people t- fall off. So you, and, and during that season, we had a lot of people move out of town during that time. Um, but coming out of COVID, we're starting to build back. Um, we found a building that, that we were going to go after. Um, we started investing time, started, you know, just building people's faith around it. Um, we got into the process about three months into it after b- moving out of one facility into another one to save money. Um, and we went through the disappointment of the city not not approving it, you know. Right. So, so my biggest question is, is that, <clears throat> you know, how do you lead a church um, through not just ongoing disappointment, but the disappointment, uh, a large disappointment as a church? How do you begin to build momentum again after a large disappointment? Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great question. I I uh, um, I think one of the um, Things that are so important is one thing. I always, one thing I always talk about is developing the right kind of culture, um, and culture is always shaped by the three things that I always talk about: the stories you tell, the heroes you make, and the things you celebrate. Um, I think that every church faces disappointment. I know that I do at times, and I know every church does. Every pastor does. Um, I think that's part of the reality. Um, however, I think it's important that we that. We allow our um, vision to be the things that are not controlled by the government or by a building or by someone that's owning something. But man, is our vision compelling enough that people want to give to it and sell out to it? I'm not saying yours is or is not, but I'm saying that any vision has to be, in my opinion, any vision has to be compelling enough that people want to sell out to it, give to it. Um, There's got to be something that creates this, man, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we're going after. Whether we're meeting in a school or whether we're meeting in an in a, in a owned building, 
this is what we're going after. And I know that I was talking to a guy recently that is going on four years being in a school, and he's on the same thing. Man, the people are getting a little burned out. They're getting tired. And I said, what's in front of them? And he said, well, what do you mean by that? And I go, what are they working towards? What are we excited about? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What makes us new? Why does the city need you? What do the people in the city need that you're providing? Um, I'm not just talking about feeding the homeless. I'm talking about, like, what makes you so unique? Um, and I started asking him just a lot of vision questions and a lot of USP questions, ultimate strategic position, questions mm-hmm. of, like, what makes you so unique and why would people want to – if I – was a well-to-do individual, lived in your community, was looking for a church, what would me attract me to you as a leader and what would attract me to your vision as a leader? Uh, why would I want to be there and why would I want to write a check uh, and be able to really be a part of it? I, I think those are questions worth asking um, because, um, and I'm not saying that you don't have that, but... Um, I think that buildings don't necessarily control that because bro, like when we launched our very first campus with our very first building, we went through four or five different renditions of, we got this building, then it fell apart and we got this building and it fell apart. Dude, I had like all these things going up on the screen of all these buildings. We're now like this property. This is the one God gave us. And then all of a sudden it's gone. I'm like, what happened? Did God change his mind? You know, uh, and then I started realizing, like, man, Chris, that, that, is a, that is part of the vision, but it's not the only vision. And I, right. I have to make sure that we are doing something. I know there's a church in the Midwest there. They meet in a school, but they are, they are so incredibly focused on being the church that men love to go to. And so, dude, they've got a crazy amount of sports stuff and crazy amount of marriage building stuff for men. And you walk into their lobby and they've got ESPN playing on there and they're just like crazy about it. And I, was, I love it because they haven't been given a building yet, but they've been given a focus and it's taken them from 100 to 200 to 400 to 500. Still no building. Uh, just mm-hmm. everything falls through, but their vision is bigger than the building. And that's something I think is worth evaluating. Mm-hmm. Do, is my vision bigger than the building? That's great. Um, on the backside of that, it's probably probably a lot of the same same answer to it. But um, you know the the financial push from that. You know you're you're leading up to something big, and you're pushing something financially, and you're you're you know trying to get people excited about it, so they're giving yep. to it. But then yep. coming out of giving to that, it's like all right, getting giving get, getting giving back on track is. Mm is one of the hard things. Yeah. What do you, what do you currently do? What do you currently do uh, that is consistent with moving people towards giving? Like what, what, what's typical for the church? Um, Well, I think through our, our, um, what we call a launch class, which is like a next steps class, you know, you're training people through that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're, we're doing, you know, you're trying to encourage people through the, the offering, using offering messages, um, trying to show them what they're accomplishing through the finances. You know, right. I think that that's, that's the big thing that, that we do. Um, you know, you talk about celebrating things. You know, I, I don't really know how to celebrate the financial gives unless it's just the, the things that we're accomplishing because of their giving. Is yeah. that a good yeah. way to kind of celebrate that? 100%. 
Yeah. Yep. And and I do, you know, probably like like every pastor, a couple times a year, we'll do some kind of financial um, um, message series that that's yep. going to emphasize that. Um, we haven't done a whole lot of big gives just because I knew that building things were coming. Mm-hmm. So so I didn't want to get in and and continue to push for money for this, money for that. I wanted them to give where it counted, you know, yep. opposed yeah. to. Opposed to, you know, trying to do everything all the time. We need more money, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. But, but but now that we've done some big pushes when it comes to um, facilities, you know, the question is, how do you build that consistency back? Um, yeah. You know, are they disillusioned? Yeah. Are they, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, one thing I think the, the bigger question is just um, if the giving is off, then maybe there wasn't a... a a development to their own giving heart and their own generosity factor. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But one thing I love, and I learned this from my own coach. I got two coaches, Sam Chan and Dan Ryland, uh, and they're my coaches for for ministry. And what they have always taught me is generosity calendar. Do do you look at the generosity calendar? Have you developed a generosity calendar? And so, okay, when am I going to speak about it? When am I going to do a financial peace university type thing? What, what, how am I going to celebrate it throughout the year? How do I make sure I connect their giving to something that's being accomplished? How do I create this culture? And so uh, I think often when, when pastors get themselves into a financial difficulty or maybe money's a little tight or offerings drop, all of a sudden, and I just literally saw it with a multi-site church, runs maybe three or 4,000, I'm doing some executive coaching with them. They're all freaked out because the giving hasn't been good for the last four months. And now it's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, now you're slamming everything down the people's throat. Rather than looking at 12 months and saying, how do we consistently create the generosity culture by knowing that we have a generosity calendar? I I think that because that is a, in my opinion, uh, consistent giving is always um, a long game. Mm-hmm. It's not a short game, right? You know, we like the splash gift. Someone drops in ten grand, but it's not. It's not. That's not normal. What's normal is is like how do we create consistency? And I think, I think people most often pastors respond to the emergency and to the pressure. Mm-hmm. And when they respond to the pressure, I don't think it comes off well. Right. Uh, versus responding to the generosity calendar and saying, how do we make sure that in the long game, we are developing the culture of generosity in our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long game. It's not a short game. Uh, and it is disappointing because, like you said, you go through, I went through four or five. We spent money on that stuff. Another mm-hmm. rendering number four, you know, going up on the screen. Right. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that, dude. Uh, yep, been there. And mm-hmm. uh, been there uh, many times. We're going through that right now. We have 12 campuses in the South Hills side of my life. And we're going through that right now with a, with a campus in Orange County. They're on like the fourth location. And now it's been six months of tenant improvements, and the city still hasn't improved it. So if the city is listening right now, please help out. <laughs> if you're the mayor. no. Um, but uh, uh, it's just ongoing. So how do you keep people motivated? But you don't want them just responding to the to the big building thing because right. that's short-lived. You want it to be in their heart. And I think generosity calendars create that. I learned that from Dan and, and Sam about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And it really changed a lot of things for me, the generosity calendar. 
great. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. My, my next question is, is that, um, you know, in creating a invite culture and engagement in the church and, um, you know, and I feel like we've, we've done well with that, you know, is in, in the first years of the church. Um, but, but you do have, you know, it's like 20% of the people are, are the, are the inviters, you know, yeah. and the rest yeah. are kind of like, well, we don't know anybody or, you know, which we know they know people. They just, for, for whatever reason, aren't crossing that line. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, going through the changes with COVID, going through the changes as a church, um, the, the, the people that, that have stuck with us, have been faithful with us, um, have been, you know, empty nesters and people right before right. retirement, you know, so, so they're, they're, they're great people, you know, incredible people, they serve. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the leadership quality isn't at the highest. Um, and then also the invite culture from that group, um, doesn't seem to kick in. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. You know, yep. Um, and so yeah, the question is, you know, how, how can we engage them more? What's, you know, because you do the, the normal engagement process of getting people involved and getting them excited and celebrating the things. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's like these people are, you know, their kids are just moving out of their house. They're instead of speeding up, you know, like somebody in their twenties and thirties, they're, <clears throat> they're slowing things down. Um, you know, how do you engage that age group? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, I do think there's a reality, um, you know, I think what's Jeannie Mayo says after nine months, you know, I think years ago when she was the, the guru of youth ministry, she would say after nine months, uh, you, that person's probably not going to invite any more people, uh, mm -hmm. because they just, their whole, their whole, you know, their friendships have changed. Their, their regularity has changed of life. Um, also, um, I think that the older they get, the more, they're settling down. So I'll just give you an example. I, I'm thinking of a church right now in San Diego and I'm thinking of a church on the East Coast that almost presented the same problem. And one of the churches was about 300. One of the churches was maybe 60 people. Mm -hmm. And they called me up and they're like, hey, dude, you know, I met you at this conference. I need some help. And so I kind of talked to them a couple of times and it worked for them. So I'll tell you what worked for them. It worked for the church of 300, worked for the 60. Because you know the reality. You've been in ministry long enough. It doesn't matter if it's 300 or 60. The longer you stay at a number, the more it starts to settle. Right. The, the cement turns into concrete very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so now that church of 300, it's like, well, they got 300 people. Yeah, but <laughs> they don't ever get any first-time guests. And you know what's right. going to happen. It's going to start going like this. Right. Same thing with the church of 50 or 60 I was talking about on the East Coast. So. What I told them is, and here's the reality, uh, and you said it, Johnny, is, hey, they're great givers, they're great people, they serve, they pray. Mm -hmm. That's probably all they're going to do. And mm -hmm. I think we have to, so I told this guy of 50 or 60, I was like, okay, I sat with him and his wife on a Zoom call, and I said, okay, so of the 50 people, who do you think is really with you that mm -hmm. you think still has the energy and that wants to invite? Mm -hmm. They managed between, we were on a Zoom. I'm going to tell you exactly how it went down. Of the mm -hmm. 50 people, they thought of, I think, 10. Right. I said, so this is what I would do if I were you. I said, you almost have to do a relaunch without calling it a relaunch with those 10 people. The other 40 aren't going to help you. And they looked at each other on the Zoom, you know, and they're like, you're probably right. We know who they are. They're not, not, not on growth. They're going to help us in other areas, but they're not going to help us with growth. Right. I said, so pull those 10 people aside. Have a meeting at your house. Tell them the reality. 
we're stuck. Tell them that I've, I've hand chosen you. Tell them that, talk to them about the invite culture. Talk to them about, uh, um, um, you know, who they are as individuals and how we need to build on something, how we need to grow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you need to almost treat them like a core group within inside of the church. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got to meet with them. You got to talk about the future with them. You've got to, uh, and when they start bringing a few people, man, you, your attention now goes to them. I said, so it's almost like you're saying my core group is really 10. Mm-hmm. I got the money of a 50, 50 people church. Um, uh, but I really only have 10. Mm-hmm. Now the guy of 300, he, his name, I remember him. We came out and I think he came up with like 36 or 38 because mm-hmm. he had taken over a very traditional church. Right. But that 300, Johnny, that was 19, 20 months ago. I think they just got to 550. Oh. Uh, so they've seen incredible growth, but they built it off that 38. The church of like 50, they're now maybe 120, 140. They've got some great momentum. But honestly, they built it off of that 10. Mm-hmm. And they pulled those 10 apart and said, right. apart from everybody else. And they met with them in their home and just said, you're it, man. You're mm-hmm. the ones that are going to invite. You're the ones with the energy. And they built off of them. Then they added a little bonus to it. If uh, I told I told them, I said, if they invite someone, find out on your card, QR code, however you do it, but find out how if someone comes to your church, and if you're under 60, that's easier to figure out who invited them. Then you want to reward that person with a phone call and just say, hey. Tom and Joanne, man, thank you so much for inviting some people. I know we met at the house two weeks ago, and you've already invited two people. Thanks for doing that. You want to keep rewarding like crazy throughout the week because mm-hmm. that 10 will soon become 20. And what mm-hmm. happens is you start seeing a tipping point where mm-hmm. this 40 was here and the 10 were here. It's now 60, 40. And then all of a sudden, these people just take over. They take over the culture. But mm-hmm. it is the only way that I've discovered to help a church that for whatever reason has gotten stuck at this number. And now it's like, I can't get these people to invite. I always say, you got, you got five in there. Don't you, you got eight in there. You got 10 in there, build it up, take that 10 and make them 20, take that 20, make them 40. Once you get up to that point and the tipping point happens, it just takes off. And bro, I've seen it. I've seen it with a church of 300. I saw it with a church of 50. It worked. Right. That's what I would do. And, and that would be the same same principle when it comes to their leadership levels, you know, in, working in what with way? them, strengthening oh, yeah. them, get it, getting yeah. them to a new place. Yep, 100%. It, it feels like in, in that phase of life, it's like, come out for another meeting. Well, uh, you know, what do I want to learn now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what I would do. You know, I'd look mm-hmm. at your church or however, say there's 50 people in there, or whatever, whatever the amount is, 100 people. And you're mm-hmm. going to say... Who's the 8, 10, 12, 14, you know, talk to, to your wife and just kind of discuss it. And they, we think these 12 are not only with us, but if anybody's going to invite, it's going to be them. They still have the energy. They still have the passion. Let's build off of them and start with 10. And you build them a core with inside of the core. doesn't change your Sunday. It doesn't change anything like that. It mm-hmm. just, all you're doing is trying to get that 10 to become 20. Mm-hmm. Get that 20 to become 40. Would you suggest doing something like a launch where you're doing kind of, you know, you do the previews prior to before your launch should, should you aim your events in the same, same way to kind of bring that? I mean, obviously you don't want to call it a relaunch, but, 
But, you know, I mean, we're in a we're in a place where we just moved into a new facility, which is a nicer facility. Um, right. People really like it there. It's a great community. Um, you know, with doing something like a like a grand opening in your area, would that be a good um, starter event? I think it would be what I would do is, yes, if. If, in my opinion, if the 10 are really on board with you. Where you feel like, or let's just call it the number 10. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, you and the wife have met with them a couple times. You know, we got the energy. We're starting to see it. I'd bring them back together and say, okay, guys, we're catching the vision now. So here's what we're going to do. I'm mm-hmm. taking the next six months. Mm-hmm. And I'm believing that this 10, you guys are starting to do it, man. Some of you brought a couple friends. You brought a couple friends. You brought someone last week. You got, and a couple of them are starting to stick. I would take those 10 and I would say, okay, we are for the next six months, we're going to, we're, we're having this kind of start date. We're going on a six month run. We're going to have this launch date, new to your area, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it's not just one time. It's man, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five, six, seven opportunities in the next six months for you 10 to make it, you're already doing it, but to make it even easier for you to invite. Because, man, on this day, we're going to do this. On this day, we're going to do this. Man, we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, wh- whatever it is. I would, I would do that without calling it a relaunch, but I would do it over a season, not a day. Okay. And I would say, for the, okay, we're starting to pick up speed. Okay, this is great, man. We've met a couple times, but you know what? From here to here, let's go on six months and let's take this 10 and make it 50. If we can take this 10 and make this 50, it'll revolutionize the church. You take a church of 50 that all of a sudden runs 80 or 90, it, mm-hmm. as long as you keep pushing, momentum will be on your side. So I say yes. It's what I, with that church with 50, it's what we did with them. When mm-hmm. they, they took their 10 or 12, met in a couple of home, and then we said, okay, let's plan out some stuff to make it really easy, tell them. Of course, we're going to tell the whole church, but, man, we're going to really infuse it to these. I think they had 12 in the, in the meeting, their first meeting. And all of a sudden, like I said, Johnny, it went from, I think they're like 130 or 140 now, and that's in less than a year. Uh, that's not bad, you know. Uh, and they were stuck at 50 for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're like 140, and it's like there's no – There's no slowing them down. I'm telling you, there'll be 200 by the end of the year. But they really played off of the core with inside of the core. Mm -hmm. A designated group inside of the core with a mission. And yeah, give them a... But I wouldn't give them a day. Mm -hmm. I would give the community a day. I would give them four or five opportunities over the next six months to really get this thing from 10 to 40. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. That's great. That's great. Yes, sir. Anything else, man? <laughs> well, I, I think that that's, that's most of it. I mean, I could go on and on cool. with questions. You know? <laughs> I got another one. <laughs> but no, I, I think that, I think that our biggest challenge, like I said in the beginning, you know, you know, you're, you're trying to get moving, you're trying to get things going after some, some tough times. And, um, you know, you only have so much time as a pastor and you need other leaders around you, um, especially as a bivocational pastor, because sometimes I get done with, with, you know, my, my other job, you know, and then it's like, I don't have all that time in the world to, to do all the things that I want to do for the church. But, but no, I, I think that, I think that that's really helpful, you know, awesome. Gives me a great direction. Cool. Well, thanks for being on, man. I really do appreciate it, dude. Really do appreciate it. 
All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Fly on the Wall podcast. We hope today's episode provided you with some practical steps to lead your church to the next level. If you found this episode helpful, take a moment to leave us a review and share it with others. Remember, when the pastor grows, the church grows, and we grow pastors. We love you. We're your raving fans, and we are cheering you on. See you next week.